Well, I love you guys. The love of God is here. I love the kingdom of God. I, I've been shaken deeply in this last season of three, four years. But coming out of the fire of it, something amazing is happening in my heart towards the kingdom of God. I love the kingdom of God and, and the king of that kingdom. And God is taking us on a whole exploration of the kingdom. We've looked at our heart and the war for our hearts. We've looked at the patient endurance of the kingdom. We've looked at love as the centerpiece of the kingdom. We've looked at the treasure hunt at the retreat of righteousness, peace, and joy in the kingdom. And today we want to go further. And so we say, Lord, would you open our minds and our hearts and show us your kingdom? What are you bringing to earth from heaven? Because we want to live in that reality and not just our own. Amen? Amen. I am really excited to share the message um, with you. And um, I've been thinking about just kids, you know? Kids say some incredible things. Can I get a witness from anyone who are parents? Every family has their just funny things, you know? Or maybe it's your niece or nephew or the kid you help out with at a school. But when you get around kids, you're going to hear incredible things. I mean, there's entire programs about it, right? But um, I remember when my, my Sailor Shore was uh, two years old and she just had a, a fire to her, you know? And people, you know, adults always like, how old are you? And she got this thing when she was two and she would go, I am too much. And you were like, that is incredible. Where did you get that? I am too much. And I was, we were like, yes, this is true. And um, I remember uh, Noelle when she was little. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, we need creamer and all of our teas. We're a South African family. And um, I remember Noelle when she was little. She says, it's not half and half. It's half and half. And she said, just like us, we're South African and American. I was like, how did you come up with that? Noel's like the jokester in a house. So from henceforth in our house, it's half and half, just like we are, you know, American and South African. I remember, you know, Lillowin, when she was little, she would look, she, she really was a wonder girl, you know, and she would look at these beautiful sunsets. She would go, it's amazing. God's painting the sky with a toothbrush. And she thought it was a paintbrush, right? But it was, it was always a toothbrush. So there's a joke in our house. God's painting the sky with, with a toothbrush, right? And um, a friend of mine's daughter was around six and asked her mom a very lightweight question. Mom, what's adultery? Good luck explaining this to your six-year-old. So um, she started to explain to her, um, you know, a, a childlike answer the best she could with adultery. And the answer seemed satisfactory. But then the six-year-old uh, looks back and she said, oh, I thought adultery was the sin of being an adult. <laughs> it's a funny story, but there's actually a lot in there. Like... I'm too adult, you guys. I'm, I'm guilty as charged of being too serious. Anyone who knows me a little bit. Too intense. Those who actually know me know that there's this whole other atom in the safety of this place called silly atom that only comes out when I'm safe. But I'm guilty of being too adult. The sin of 
adulting or something, whatever it is. So Jesus has these great words in Matthew 18, 3, and they are truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. We've been building on this theme of the kingdom, and the message for today is titled out of these great, incredible words of Jesus, and I've titled it simply that, Enter the Kingdom Like a Child. At the spring retreat that we just had, we went on a treasure hunt, righteousness, peace, and joy, and we pretended to be children looking for treasure in God, and I felt the Holy Spirit nudge me when I got into this message and said, that wasn't just for the retreat. I'm taking Nava into a new place of joy and childlikeness. If you want to enter the kingdom, you have to enter like a child. Not childish, but becoming childlike. So let's go into the context for a second. This is, comes from Matthew 18. The disciples have been with Jesus for three years. They've seen miracles and power and influence. They've got all these ideas of who the king is and how his kingdom's going to come. I mean, the last time I checked, kingdoms are like big stuff, right? Important things. Influence and empire and power, success and greatness. And so the disciples are pretty convinced that they are in the in, inner circle of the powerful, mighty, and great kingdom. And so they come to Jesus in Matthew 18.1, and the disciples say to him, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who's the goat, right? Who's the goat in the kingdom? The greatest of all time. Who is it? Now, I grew up with sports that was most of my childhood and life, playing it, talking about it, video gaming it, like sports was huge to me. And sports is always all about competition, being the best, winning at all costs. Like I couldn't get into my mind this idea of like playing sports not to win. Like it's deep, right? And in the sports realm, there's unending debate in every realm of sports and society of who is the goat? Like, who's the greatest of all time? And it's not just sports, it's every realm of life, right? As humans, we are fascinated with greatness. Since the time I was little, I want to be great. And the disciples here want to be great. I mean, think about it. Basketball. Is it LeBron or Jordan? I had to start easy. That's just obvious. The goat is Jordan. Okay, I've, I've solved that for you. Okay. What about tennis? In the men's realm, are we talking Nadal, Djokovic? No, 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 friends. Roger Federer. I know he doesn't have the most. Anyways, a huge debate, right? Huge debate. On the women's side, no debate. Serena Williams, 100%. In all of tennis and history, Serena Williams over all the men. Yes, and amen. Boxing, is it Muhammad Ali? Or is it Mayweather? It's Muhammad Ali, obviously. Anyways, yeah, it's easy. Baseball, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, or the Babe? See, this is more debatable. Who's the GOAT? I don't know. We're going to have to leave it there in the realm of mystery. 
NFL quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, I've solved it for you. <laughs> Singing, is it Whitney Houston or Whitney Houston? Yeah. It's Whitney Houston or is it David Blackwell? Okay, I'm giving you a shout out. It's Whitney Houston, look no further. If we go to verse two to four, Jesus is interested in letting us know who the goat in the kingdom is. And it's just utterly shocking. It says, he calls a little child over from the side and brings the child into the middle of them. With all of the importance of what a kingdom should be, he allows a completely different reality to clash into the greatness, the power, the influence of the kingdom. And he juxtaposes a concept of just be a child. Be a kid. And here's his words. Phenomenal words. Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Greatness in Jesus' kingdom is to change and become little. Being little apparently is great to Jesus. Becoming childlike is apparently great to Jesus. And he attaches this amazing promise. Those who become like little children will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, again, the kingdom, he's not saying those who become like children go to heaven when they die. That's not what the kingdom is about. He's talking about those who become like children can step in to the way things really are in heaven on earth now. They can step into the new creation life of God. They can see what God's like. They can see his ways. They can enter his reign and rule. But you can't get in if you're too tall. You've got to be under the height limit, not over it. This is interesting. Childlikeness, apparently, is what allows us to enter into the new creation life of God on earth as it is in heaven. So the question is, are you small enough? Not are you great enough? So on top of that, what does it mean to change and become like little children? As I've reflected on this invitation, just three simple words. There's a lot more that you could say about being like a child, but three simple words came to me at the deepest level. Those are trust, wonder, and play. So this is a fun message right away. And can I just say, the fact that I feel like it's a fun message and that it's the only way to get into the kingdom may make us think or rethink what the kingdom's all about. Trust, wonder, and play. Now, before creation, wisdom is personified in Proverbs 8. Listen to this, verse 30 and 31 Wisdom is made to be like a person. It says, wisdom was like a little child by God's side and was happy every day, filled with delight day after day and enjoyed being in the presence of God and enjoyed the creation of the whole world and was happy with all its people. Wait a second. When you think of wisdom, is the picture that comes to mind a playful child at the right hand of God, you know, kind of laying out the cosmos? Wisdom has a stoicism, an adultness, a studious nature. And apparently wisdom is personified 
as a little child playing in delight at the side of the father. Now, some people think this personification was the second person of the Trinity. Wait a second, what's going on here? And that beautiful wisdom, that child playing at the side of the father, makes a garden called Eden. What an incredible environment. Before the enemy, before human sin, God names the garden Eden. Eden has these magical, peaceful Hebrew roots, and it means the place of pleasure or delight. Now, what was heaven coming to earth like before sin? It was a wonder-filled, curious, delighted, trusting, safe place of play. Now, imagine with me. What was it like for Adam and Eve to walk around with the Father in a garden called Pleasure and Delight? Maybe that's a little clue into what heaven feels like when it comes to earth. Maybe that's the restoration project of the new creation. This is the beautiful environment that God created. If we spend a day with Jesus... I wonder if we'd be surprised by his childlikeness. Trust, wonder, and play. He was safe with the Father. Everything was filled with awe, and he was chilled out enough to play. He had a playfulness in his heart. I would love to spend a day with Jesus. Trust, wonder, and play. If he revealed the Father perfectly, then it seems like the Father is filled with trust and wonder and play. So let's dive in. Let's be invited into the nature of the kingdom. Trust. I believe to change and become like a little child means we relearn to trust. Now, a child's not ultimately responsible or in charge. That's a really important key. Because some of us feel like the weight of the world is on our shoulders. But for a child, they're not ultimately bearing the weight of all things. They trust that those taking care of them have got it. Right? Everyone say, God. You got it. God. You got me. That's what a child feels like. You got it. You got me. That's what children do. I would be super worried when my kids were little if they were like, Daddy, are you going to feed me today? Daddy, are you going to take care of my emotional and physical needs? This would be an odd household. I'd be very worried about my parenting. No, they're like, I'm going to play. He's got it. Right? And I'm okay. That's the posture of a child. Now, if we go to the Sermon on the Mount, which is kind of the place where Jesus opened up, how do we live in the kingdom of a father? How do we live there within his realm? We open up this whole thing of the posture of a child in trust. So Matthew 6, 25 through 33, I think we have it. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you'll eat or drink or your body, what you'll wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or stow away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? 
Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith or trust? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Children trust when they're young. Now, I'm so glad Jesus talks like this because so many in our city right now, so many in my neighborhood, kids don't know where their next meal is coming from. They have this trust in their parents, but people really need to hear this. Adults really need to hear this around the world. Like, I will feed you and clothe you. And maybe that's not your worries, but I love that Jesus covers it all. He goes, don't worry about life. The, the older I've gotten, the more this worry has creeped in. Like, I'm responsible to take care of it. And the heart of a child in the kingdom is, I trust my father because he's good. He's got it. And he's got me. No matter if it's emotional or relational or practical or physical or vocational, he's got it and he's got me. That's the heart of a child. I remember when I was getting to the age of 11, this over-responsibility started creeping in on me. We went up to a fast food place and my parents had enough money from what I could tell and they never talked to me about money, but I started to weigh the weight of, where the weight of my family. I remember going, we're in the fast food line. My dad says, what do you want? And I'm like, I'll do the kid's meal. He's like, you can get a normal value meal. I'm 11, like I'm growing boy at this point, you know? I'm like, no, I... And inside I'm thinking, no, I'm worried my family doesn't have enough money. I'm worried about the butt. And I watch from a little age, like, I am going to take the concerns of the world on myself. Do we trust is the question. I love what Pete Scazzaro talks about. He's the founder of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. If I could recommend like a stream to dive into, Pete and Jerry Scazzaro and emotional health has just been such a gift to my life. But he likes to translate trust with a different word, and it really helps me. He translates trust as relax. It would be very hard to be stressed out and tight and relax at the same time. So I want you to actually feel this for just a second. I want you to actually relax all the muscles in your body. Breathe. Actually be aware of what your face letting down the tension. Like release your hands. Some of you have already started falling asleep. There's a lot going on in your life. <laughs> this feeling you're feeling in your body feels a little bit like trust in the kingdom. It's not an easy posture to hold, as can anyone attest? I love what King David said. Who thinks King David had some important kingdom stuff to do? Some like weighty matters to handle? Bad. 
battles, economy, divisions, household feuds. And here's David's words, Psalm 131. The great king, one and two, I do not occupy myself with things too great and marvelous for me. You're like, dude, you're the king. Your whole life is too great and marvelous. He's like, nah, he's got it. He's got me. David, as a king, takes this thing of importance and power and influence in the kingdom and goes, you enter it like a child. Listen to his next words. I have calmed, do you feel yourself relaxing? And quieted my soul like a weaned child with mother, like a weaned child, my soul is relaxing within me. Some of us have occupied our thing, ourselves and our brains with things way too great for ourselves. It's too much for you. It's too much for me. If you want to enter the kingdom, dad's got to have it. And dad's got to have you. Will you let him have you? Will you allow him? Or are you going to occupy yourself with things too great for you? This is a daily wrestle for me. Back to the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6, 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I love this. Children are wired to be in the present. Have you noticed this? Children do not sit around for long laboring over the intricacies of the past and how they were hurt. Yes? Like they do not obsess over the past. And sometimes they get the future wrong. They're like thinking about their birthday six months ahead of time. But like they're not worried about the future. They are present people. Why? Because trust brings you to the present. Jesus goes, if you want to enter the kingdom, tomorrow's got all kinds of things waiting. Just trust me today. Don't worry about tomorrow. It's got enough worries of its own. Kids live in the moment. Adults are consumed with the past and the future and struggle deeply to find this here, now, present moment of the presence of God. The presence of God is right here now. There isn't grace to face all of the future possibilities. So the Lord invites us here into this place. Young children are prone to trust when an adult says, especially their parents or caregivers. What a beautiful quality. There's this hazy line between reality and fantasy for a kid that is amazing. But you kind of have to be careful about what you share in some ways, right? Because they trust. But I love that hazy line because imagine if Nava was like that. If there was like this hazy line instead of immediate cynical rejection, imagine if there was a hazy line and we could believe for impossibility. What if we could trust God for the line between reality and nothing's impossible? We may enter into the kingdom in a trusting way. There's so much to learn from kids. We're exploring this thing of trust is to be childlike or worry. And I think for me and probably for all of us, sin has taught us to worry, to take ultimate responsibility, to fear, to be cynical, to lose our trust. 
And so if we could, could we close our eyes again and just relax for just a second? And I want to do an exchange. Remember, the way you enter the kingdom is to practice this exchange every day. It's not to go to heaven when you die. It's to enter into the kingdom today. So it says you must change. So what's changing mean? I have to let go of something. I have to ask for forgiveness for what I'm carrying. And then I get to receive trust. And so what are you worried about, if anything? Is there something you're worried about? Now here's the magic. We get to change through the Holy Spirit. So can you picture yourself handing him this worry? And as he takes it from your hand, there's a huge smile because he's saying, I got it and I got you. Do you see him? You can find his face every day, no matter how great the burden, no matter how complex the responsibility, there's an exchange waiting for you. Amen? Okay. So we've done trust. Now, will you jump with me into wonder? This one's really fun, obviously. To change and become like a little child means we cultivate curious wonder. Now, I get to give a little honor for a second. In my household, we have a wonder person, and her name is Grandma Sparkles. Marie, yes. And so mom's over there, and all growing up, she taught her kids how to stop and go. Do it with me. Wow. She is the epitome of stop and smell the roses. Finding wonder. And so Marie... I honor you because you've taught my girls how to do this. How to go, the world is filled with wow. And God says the kingdom's yours now and forever. And God says to anybody who's willing to go wow, the kingdom is something you can step into. Now, I love this definition of wonder. It says, put simply... This is author Ray Oliver. Put simply, a sense of wonder is a feeling of childlike delight, amazement, and admiration at the natural state of the world. It refers to the feeling of grateful awe in the smaller things in life. It drives that natural feeling of wanting to know more about the world around you like a young child with a curious mind. Wonder gives you a positive feeling and makes you pause in appreciation for those things like nature that are greater than you are. When is the last time you felt a genuine sense of awe in your life. When's the last time that you went, wow? Maybe it's been a while. But this is the invitation into the kingdom, is is there's this invitation into awe and wonder. And even thinking about it is like, huh, do I have any awe in my life? It says the early church was marked by a continual state of awe at God and one another and what God was doing. They were entering the kingdom. I really do believe we were born with a sense of wonder and awe and curiosity and imagination. 
That there's something in our design that God put into us in this way. Think about your childhood or kids you know around you. What do you remember of moments of wonder and awe? Even thinking about this has brought so much joy to me. What brought you wonder as a kid? Just think for a second. Remember being amazed. I remember the first time I saw a rainbow in my yard and I legitimately thought there was a pot of gold at the end. And I was screaming at four years old. It's engraved into my memory. Mom, the leprechaun is here. I don't know where I got that, but there was a full rainbow outside and I was freaking out. I remember the first time I saw the ocean and put my toes in the sand. I have the sensation return to me every time I go back to the beach. I feel like a kid at the beach. It's why I want to go there. I remember, I remember the first time I saw a sunset swallowed by the ocean. And this ball of fire, I was five or six years old. I'm with my grandpa, and I'm like, what is happening? It's going down into the water. How is the sun going down into the water? And I cannot figure this out, and I'm just undone with it. Wonder, imagination. Now, before you judge me, I had an imaginary friend. I had to look this up because I was starting to stigmatize myself. Like, was I traumatized? Was it weird? I don't remember it being weird. It was really fun. I liked playing and talking. And lo and behold, this happens. Like, lots of kids have imaginary friends. I was like, okay, I feel a little more normal. But my imaginary friend's name was Simon. And si we talked to each other everywhere we went, okay? And my mom had to make Simon his own food every day. And had to put the food into the freezer first and then take it out no matter how hot it was. One time Simon got caught in the car door. And I screamed hysterically because Simon actually got caught in the car door. I remember swinging for hours outside and just talking to Simon. Now I think Simon might have been an angel. I have no idea. Or it was just a figment of my imagination. But this is really cool. Child psychologist Katie Lear says this. Invisible friends are an extension of a child's normal make-believe play. Kids usually start this kind of play in their late toddler years. So imaginary friends can develop as early as two and a half or three years old. Firstborn children, hello, okay, are, and only children are more likely than other kids to create invisible friends, possibly because they're spending more of their time playing independently. But it doesn't mean that they have to be alone. It's about their imagination. In fact, more that researchers learn about imaginary friends the more benefits they have to, find, to having one. Children who have imaginary friends are often highly creative or easily lose themselves in stories. And this imagination is cultivated and goes on into their latter years. I was like, oh, that's interesting. But have I lost my imagination? I remember climbing the trees, but we weren't people. We were bears. And my friend Andrew, we played... And our only food was what was in the tree, so we ate so many leaves. And leaves just don't taste good. But I know by trying them in my imaginary world of being a bear. How did you play as a kid? I mean, for years, every time we got into my Prius, it was no longer a car. With me and Welly, Noel, it was a spaceship. And we are fighting intergalactic warriors every time we go in. 
Captain Welly and her assistant are on crazy adventures into Wonder Worlds driving down Truce. Yes, no, Truce is not Truce. Truce is a magical world. And we're entering the kingdom. It's beautiful, our imagination. At night, it's Bubba Bear stories in our household and adventures abound in tales that always involves some kind of danger and then Bubba Bear makes his way home and my girls are getting kind of old and they're still like, can you give us a Bubba Bear story? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I loved to draw as a kid. Picasso says, every child is an artist. The problem is how to remain an artist once you grow up. Every child's creative. The problem is somebody tells you, no, it's, you can't do it anymore. I can even watch now the voices creeping into my own kids and creativity is, is seeping out and wonder. Wonder can slip away. I love Amanda Cook's song, May We Never Lose Our Wonder. Wide-eyed and mystified, let me be like a child, gazing in the beauty of my king. Friends, may we never lose our wonder. Responsibilities, adult realities, obligations, I get it. It's mature stuff. You got to do it. I'm not talking about being childish, but I am saying mortgages and medical insurance and budgets and bosses can squeeze the wonder right out of your living soul. You can adult yourself right out of awe. Amen? I don't want to adult myself out of awe. I want to keep entering the kingdom according to Jesus. Yeah, I want to do grown-up stuff, but I want to do it with the heart of imagination and wonder. Can you feel God inviting you out of the busyness and the rut of routine and responsibility to stop and gaze in awe again? God is good. I love this quote from Albert Einstein. Albert was a pretty wonder-filled guy, apparently. He who can no longer pause to wonder and stand wrapped in awe is as good as dead. His eyes are closed. It's a great quote. Overfamiliarity breeds this dull existence. Curiosity leads us to learning. Curious wonder is the invitation of the kingdom. Every common thing can come alive. I love thinking about curiosity. Even about things you know about, what if you were to spark curiosity with the Holy Spirit again? This is a whole nother message, but it is incredible how people, the greatness of God's, the crown of God's creation, open up with curiosity, especially when you're not like them, or you don't understand them. Curiosity opens people up. Uh, Andrew Fry, wherever he is, I heard this right before the gathering. He says, you need to find the sparkle topic, a key pro tip for relationships. Find the topic where somebody sparkles. I found it in Cutter Gage the other day. He was in the middle of a meeting. It wasn't an eventful meeting. Adam Shirley asked a question about board games, and he starts talking about a board game about birds. And for 10 minutes, the guy was coming out of his seat unglued, and we found a sparkle topic. Bird games. Wonder. It's beautiful. Is there some aspect of wonder that you experience each day? If not, good news, you can change and become like a child. Jesus says, at the time, 
So Jesus says, Matthew eleven twenty five, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Rick at breakfast, my brother-in-law this morning, told me this story. They went down to the nature center, and there's this body of water, and Graham and Marie are there, and he's going, look at all the fish. They're incredible. And Graham and Marie are like, what are you talking about? He's like, there's fish everywhere. And then he realizes he's wearing polarized glasses. And he sees all these fish, so they put them on, and they see the fish. And I was thinking, this is what Albert Einstein's talking about. We can see everyday things, but our eyes are closed. Or we just, it, the, the fish are three feet below the surface, but the light is not right. Polarized sunglasses change the way light happens. And so all of a sudden, everyday things give us wonder again. I love this Elizabeth Barrett Browning quote. Earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God. But only he who sees it takes off his shoes. The rest sit around and pluck blackberries. Every common bush is crammed with heaven. We just can't, we don't have the glasses on. We, we haven't wondered. So what are all the things we could wonder with? Discovering God's creation with the Holy Spirit. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. I want to see again. So I thought about some ideas to cultivate wonder, take them or leave them. There's a million. But here's some. Stop and behold simple things again and give thanks. I was thinking about a spoon. I'm like, it's just a spoon. Have you ever tried to eat soup with a fork? And then there's the invention of the spork. Now that's a real wonder. You think about, okay, this spoon. This is an incredible invention. Somebody had to whole materials out of the ground to get it. And somebody had to think about this. And then there's those people that go and they make like bracelets out of spoons. And then a whole nother fractal of wonder opens up around the spoon. Or what about squirrels? When's the last time you stopped and watched a squirrel? Those are weird dudes. You're like, oh, squirrel. Squirrels are incredible. Now, the problem is, I'm just going too fast to wonder most of the time. And praise God. Like if God didn't give us a filter of focus, we're driving down the road and we're thinking about literally every single thing, we would just destroy our our car and our lives. Like focus is a good thing. But every once in a while, God goes, stop the way I've created you and open up wonder. Like, yes, focus, wonderful. But I want you to slow down and look at something ordinary and realize it's crammed with heaven. Give thanks. Or look up at the sky every once in a while. I remember as a kid laying there and, you know, making pictures out of the clouds. That's so great. Love that. Immerse yourself in art. Like, shake it up. Maybe you're not an artist. Like, try some new music. Jump out of your genre. I've been trying country music for a while. There's a whole thing. I'm not going to go into it. (laughs) Spend some time entering into the world of a child. Dave, don't. You know, you know. Spend some time entering into the world of a child. The fastest way to become childlike is actually hang out with a kid and get on their level. Amen? Like, play. 
Take up a new course, travel somewhere new, or go to a place you always go and actually appreciate it. Take a wonder walk. I've got two crazy stories from wonder walks this week. In the middle of my prep, God's like, leave the desk, go on a wonder walk. I'm like, okay. Incredible things have opened up for me this week on wonder walks. Don't have time. Spend time listening to someone from another culture. All of these doorways of wonder open us up to a creator who is filled with wonder. So can you just open your hands for a second and say, Holy Spirit, take me into the wonder of God. Spark my imagination. Lead me in curiosity. Out of familiarity into fascination. Amen. All these doors of wonder open up to the creator who is wonderful in all his ways. Okay, lastly, play. Are you ready? This is actually kind of my favorite one and the one I'm most excited about. To change and become like a little child means we rediscover play. Now, I'm going to quote the prophet of play to start. His name is Fred Rogers, okay? He is the ultimate prophet of play. Now, Play is often talked about, Fred Rogers says, as if it was a relief from some serious learning. But for children, play is serious learning. I love this quote. Play is the work of childhood. Ooh, I like it. If you want to cry, just watch the movie about him, Won't You Be My Neighbor. Unbelievable. Wonder, watch a movie like that, or Mr. Megorium's Magic Emporium, that'll take you into wonder, or Chocolate Factory, the Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, wonder. Okay, the prophet of play says play is the work of children, but what exactly is play? Well, generally speaking, play is something that's imaginative, self-directive, motivated and guided by rules that leave room for creativity. I like what Jeff Harry says here, though, as a definition. One way to think about play is an action you do that brings you significant amount of joy without offering a specific result. It brings you joy and you don't have to worry about the results. Adults, do you still play? I know Lana does. She is Fred Rogers' magic sidekick from the land of play. And I love that about you, Lana, because you enter the kingdom. It's amazing. Play can feel silly, unproductive, and time-consuming. That's precisely the point of play. It is unproductive, silly, and time-consuming. What if, this is crazy, what if Christians were known as the most playful people in the city? That's already our reputation, though, right? I mean, okay, that was cynical. Um, <laughs> adults often stop playing. I like this thought. What if our play muscle has atrophied from lack of use? What if you were given a play muscle as a kid, but you've just forgotten to use it for so many years that it's atrophied? You have to slowly build it back, adults. Has anyone tried to get back in shape? I'm trying to go on a long trek on my sabbatical in Scotland, and I'm starting to walk. And I got to walk 90 miles with 30 pounds on my back to 
get in shape. And I am realizing how atrophied the leg muscles are as I start the journey. What if the play muscle has atrophied? And what if to enter the kingdom, God's saying, come on and play again. And that's actually the serious work of the kingdom. Hello. Research suggests that by age nine, somewhere in that ballpark, play starts slowing down and even fading away. I think sin has taught us to earn and perform and take the responsibility on ourselves and be self-conscious and be too serious. Man, I'm like at the front of the line. I remember that sports started off so fun for me and then the results and the performance and the pressure absolutely robbed me of my childhood of sports. Some of that was self-inflicted and some of it was outside inflicted. But the fear of performance and the pressure of results robbed me of the joy of play. Remember, play is what is joyful and doesn't necessarily have to have a result. Now, maybe you're saying, like, I'm in a really tough place in life. I, I'm just trying to live your last message, patiently endure. I think the Lord is actually giving us the key to how to patiently endure. It actually has to do with play. I remember my friend Dan, he was put in a prison in Iraq. Now, most of us will never be there. This is extreme, solitary confinement. All he had on was one set of clothes. So little, this is TMI, but he took his underwear off and put his pants back on. And he turned his underwear into a magic ball. And that's how he survived solitary confinement. Play was the way he endured prison in Iran. Wow. So maybe if you're in most pain, you need play the most. What if part of patiently enduring is learning to play again with God? So I think these are companion messages. Now, grace Freeze us to play again. Here's a beautiful quote by Marilyn McIntyre. To play is to claim our freedom as beloved children of God. Children who completely feel safe and loved are playful. To play is to live in grace. Let's say it together. To play is to live in grace. So in other words, when you're playing, go back to the first point, it means you are safe in trust with God. Children under tons of stress are not going to play. But grace liberating you from all the pressure on your spirit, and I can feel myself getting healed through this. Grace is liberating you as a beloved child, and then you become a sign and wonder of how good the grace of God is delivering you from your own performance into the freedom and liberation of this children of God. The gospel has come to let you play again. And everyone said, amen. How do we rediscover play? Again, back to Mr. Rogers. Man, I love this guy. He's, man, childhood hero for me. I love that show. 80s kids? Come on. All right, here we go. I think it's very important, Mr. Rogers says, no matter what you may do professionally, to keep alive some healthy interests of your youth. Children's play is not just kids' stuff. Children's play is rather the stuff of the most, a stuff of most future inventions. 
When is the last time you laughed so hard you could not breathe? I love laughing like that. When is the last time you felt delight in your whole entire body? Now, I know some of you are going like, I do not remember the last time. It's okay. You're not stuck. You can change and become like a little child. Now, I know the last time because it was recently. I went with my closest friends on a dude's trip down to the south. It was hysterical. I laughed for four days over and over and over. But we're getting near to the end of the trip, and we had an hour to check out of our Airbnb, and I am uber responsible, over the top, stressed out about details in those moments. And my buddy Chud goes, we got an hour left. Let's go get scooters in the French quarters of New Orleans. Stress. I go, where's the scooter place? Because that's what guys like me ask. He goes, I don't know. We're going to find it. Stress is increasing. We're walking around. Time is draining. Stress is increasing. We can't find the scooter. Stress is going higher. I'm like, we got to get out of our Airbnb. Responsibility, responsibility, responsibility. Chad's like, let's just find it. He's great for me. We find the scooter in some weird back alley. I don't know how to ride scooters. I'm a perfectionist. Stress is increasing. I get on the electric scooter and I go start going down the first street, the French Quarter. I dodge a pothole. I go up onto the curb and all of my insane adult responsibility leaves and joy literally fills my body. And we are racing in and out of traffic in the French Quarters. Literally, it was crazy for about 40 minutes and I am laughing hysterically. Joy is filling my body and I'm thinking... I would never have done this. And this is the best thing I could have possibly done in this hour. I entered the kingdom with my friends. It was amazing. We got to rebuild the play muscle. Now, I'll just give you a few things. You could spend time with this. But here's how I think we start going back to the gym on play. Okay. Three things. Remember how you enjoyed playing as a kid. I mean, literally go home and do this. You will start feeling happy when you do that. I guarantee it. You'll go back to your childhood and be like, wow, I really liked doing this thing, playing with Legos. Or I loved dressing up. I lo- what, what, what was it for you? Go back there. Find that thing. Dust it off and let it spark in you again. There's something. The adult version, of course. I mean, some of you are going to be taking up Legos. Whatever. Do it if you want. Identify how you like to play now. So remember, it's joy without specific results. If it's bike riding, you can't be keeping on your Fitbit calories and everything. That's not what I'm talking about. You got to ride a bike because you feel joyful doing it. It's a waste of time. You're not doubling up with exercise. Like, what is play? What is going to bring you joy? Now, you could have some micro moments, like just spark a spontaneous dance party in your kitchen. You will feel better. You will enter the kingdom. Joy is part of the kingdom. Permission granted to have spontaneous dance moments. Amen. Amen. My children know this. Okay. You could just... Be spontaneous and go get ice cream, even if it's against your diet that day. Boom. I know. Don't do it too much. No, okay. Got it. 
What about a song in the car that you just belt out just hysterically? Or what about the old dance in the rain? Just run out in the rain with your kids sometime. Or whatever spontaneous moment. Or it could be more intentional. A board game about birds. Make a time to go fly a kite. It's whimsical. Hopefully you'll get lighter or just more frustrated. I don't know. Gardening, building something, getting your hands on some clay and creating. Maybe that relates to something you did as a kid, but you've got to find out how do you like to play now? Don't start with everything. Think about what is one simple joy I can engage that has nothing to do with anything except being delighted with my God playing at his side in his creation. Do you guys believe the kingdom's this good? Imagine if Christians believed the gospel. It'd be a wonderful church, wouldn't it? God is waking up trust and wonder and play. And lastly, like I said, rebuild the play muscle with simple joy. One of my spiritual practices is silliness. I'm serious. My grandpa, my grandpa Cox, was known for silly songs. And so I get super intense about these really intense things in the world. They actually are. And all this weights on me, and I feel the Spirit saying, I just want you to sing a silly song. It's like a spiritual practice. What is it for you? What is the Lord inviting you into? So one of my favorite songs is by a guy named Chris Renzema, and I'm closing here. And he's quoting an awesome theologian, G.K. Chesterton, from Orthodoxy. And the name of his song is Older Than Our God. And the words are, we've grown older than our God. We've grown older than our God. God, you are forever young, bright morning star and unsetting sun. You are forever young. Now listen to these. These are the words. Hear our Father singing out to us when we've grown older than our God. Can you hear the Father singing out to you when you've grown older than your God? He's forever young, an unsetting son. Can you hear the Father saying, come trust me again? I've got it, I've got you. Can you hear the Father singing out to you going, stop in awe and wonder? Because I'm waiting for you there. You're going to step into Narnia through the cupboard. Of a normal cupboard, it's going to turn into a whole nother thing with God. Or what if the Father's singing out to you and saying, hey, come play games with me again. Come on. You can come into the kingdom. In fact, you can't come into the kingdom unless you change and become little children again. And so let's just close our eyes and I'm going to make this really simple. Which one of the doorways do you want to walk through? Which one do you see the father standing in with a smile? Is the father standing in the trust door saying, hey, come walk with me through the trust door again? Is the father there with the grin in the, in the wonder door saying, I've got wonder for you like you cannot believe. Or is the father standing there in the play door? Now, here's the secret. They all lead to the same place. <laughs> but I'm going to take just 30 seconds, and I just want to wait. 
Which door is it for you? In a minute, we're going to share with our neighbor. Now, whatever that door is, I just want you to wait for one, just one minute, and ask, what is one thing I can do when I walk through that door? One thing in play, or one thing in wonder, or one thing in trust. Whichever one you walked through, what is just one thing, Father? Would you show me, Holy Spirit? In a minute, we're going to share with our neighbor. Okay, we're going to do just literally a quick share. If you go, I don't know what the specific thing is, just tell them the major area. Just share it with them, and then we're all going to pray for each other. We're going to ble- I'm going to bless you. So share with your neighbor. Which one was it? I love seeing all the smiles on faces. This is great. All right. Let's stand together, family. I want to bless you. If you're like me, sometimes it's hard to believe that God is this good. That out of all the things in his kingdom, he would say, Yes, I'm a father, a real father who actually is trustworthy and has wonder and wants to play. It's hard to believe that God is this good and his kingdom is this wonderful. But I want to bless you. Think of that thing that God showed you, and I want to bless it, and I want you to bless it with me. Let's say this together. Holy Spirit... We receive the invitation to change and become like little children. Now help me to walk through the door that you've shown me to enter into the kingdom and believe you're this good. Amen. Lord, bless Nava to be the most childlike people, to be filled with the wonder, trust, and play of our Heavenly Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's hold hands and pray the Lord's Prayer.